0: This morning, I'm actually going to be uh, unpacking John 4, which most of you would know is quite a popular story from the New Testament about um, the woman that Jesus met at the well, the Samaritan woman. And I'd like to unpack this so that we can see how important it is to actually have a heart for the harvest. So first of all, reading from John 4, verse 1 to 8. You can follow along on the screens. Um, Otherwise, it's on our YouVersion app under events. John 4, verse 1 to 8, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. That's a very important point. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So my first point here this morning is see the opportunity. Now the woman of Samaria usually came out first thing in the morning or in the evening to draw water from the well. The well was always just outside of the city along the main road. But being um, the Middle East, it was really, really hot in the middle of the day. So going out in the middle of the day was not the, the time to go and draw water. So it was best to go first thing in the morning or in the evening. But this woman came in the middle of the day, the hottest time of the day. And it's because she wanted to avoid the other woman who knew her reputation. So she would rather go out in the hottest time of the day by herself to draw water because she wanted to avoid the woman who knew her reputation. Now, as we see from this passage, Jesus was tired. You can imagine walking through the desert from one town to another or one city to another. It's the middle of the day. It's hot. He was tired. Nobody would have held it against him had he decided to just sit down and mind his own business and catch his breath and sort of maybe have some time with God. But Jesus saw an opportunity and he started to chat to the woman. Even though he was tired, even though he could have actually just, you know, um, know, if they had iPhones in those days, put his earphones in and listen to music. Um, But he actually saw the opportunity and chose to talk to the woman. And I look at our own lives. We have opportunities all the time. We just need to be open to see them. It could be the person next to you on the bus if you take public transport to work. It could be your colleague that you see every day at work. It could be a family member. It could be a friend that you've gone out to dinner with. A door could be open for us to talk about our faith at any given time. We just have to see the opportunity. Now remember, I don't want you to be overwhelmed and think that I'm saying to you that you must look for every opportunity. Never have any space to yourself. Don't ever sit quietly. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you must um, not have some of your own time. Sometimes you just need to put those earphones in and mind your own business. Sometimes that's what is needed. But if we are just open to the God opportunities that are waiting there for us, if we are just open to the divine appointments that God is going to bring our way, then we get an opportunity to share our faith, to share encouragement with others. It's like God sometimes creates an intersection on our journey, And if we are open to see those opportunities, we will have a chance like Jesus did to talk to someone who shouldn't have even been at the well at that time. In Colossians 4 verse 5, it says, live wisely among those who are not Christians and make the most of every opportunity. Then going on to verse 6, but in the Passion Translation, I love this. It says, let every word you speak be drenched with grace. Drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity, for then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. Imagine if we are constantly aware of how our speech and how we come across to others. Then we go on to verse 9. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And the reason was that years before that, um, Israel was broken up into a northern region and a southern region. region. And the northern region had been um, overrun, overtaken by the Assyrians. And they had um, deported a whole lot of the Jews from the northern region to Assyria to obviously be slaves in Assyria. And so the Jews that were left there, um, a lot of foreigners started moving into that region. And so they started intermarrying and um, perhaps bringing some of their own uh, ways of worshiping and sort of mixing the Jewish breed. And the Jews from the southern region um, were actually really angry with those Jews for like sort of messing with their bloodline, okay? They thought it was inappropriate that they had gone and intermarried and, and, and mixed on. So the, the Jews from the southern region refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So much so that when you would go from one town to another, it would actually be the fastest route to go through Samaria. But they would, the, Jew, the Jews would go via another way. They would go the longer route just to avoid going through Samaria. That's how much they avoided um, interacting and speaking with Samaritans. So you can imagine how surprised this woman was that a Jew was asking her for a drink, okay? But the great thing about Jesus is that he crossed all barriers to share the good news. And us as Jesus followers, we should be open to do the same thing. He crossed all barriers. He didn't care about that age-old issue that they had. He saw an opportunity. Verse 10 goes on and says, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Now you can imagine, in those days there wasn't the written word like we have it. She didn't know what he was speaking about. So what did Jesus mean by living water? In the Old Testament, there are many, many, many verses that speak of thirsting after God as one would thirst after water. Um, If you are taking notes, some verses to look at are Psalm 42, verse 1, Jeremiah 2, verse 13, Zechariah 13, verse 1. All scripture that talks about um, how thirsting after um, God, as you would after water, um, you know, so Jesus referring to himself as living water at that time, he was actually um, basically claiming to be the Messiah, that's what he was doing. He was claiming to be the Messiah. In 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16, it says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, so point number two is that we must share the hope we have. So if you, about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. So we need to share the hope that we have. If we are Christians, we have found hope in Jesus, and we need to share that hope. And some Christians believe that their faith is a personal matter not to be shared or spoken about with anybody. But the thing is, is that we we don't have to be obnoxious or rude in how we share our faith. We don't have to go around and say to people, you're going to burn in hell. You know, turn or burn. Like, um, if you don't believe, you're going to go to hell. That's being obnoxious. That's being rude. That is not what we do when we share our faith, okay? Like that 1 Peter 3 says, we need to always be ready to give an answer gently and respectfully when asked about our faith or our lifestyle or what we believe in. Can others see your hope in Christ? Can they see your hope in Christ? Can others, um, are, are you willing to be, to share what Jesus has done for you with other people? Are you prepared to share what he has done? You may not be able to keep people speaking badly about you. Let's be honest, we all have had incidents in life where people speak badly about us. But the one thing we can at least do is to stop supplying them with ammunition. Okay? we can Stop supplying people with ammunition. We need to keep our conduct above criticism. That is how we are then able to share our faith. If we can keep our conduct above criticism, people will be open to hear what we have to say. Let me go on in verse 11. This is the lady now spe- speaking to Jesus. But sir, you don't have a rope. bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. My third point this morning is desiring freedom. I wonder, I I read this so many times, and what dawned on me is I wonder if her making the statement about never having to come to this well again to draw water and to be able to get the living water had something to do with her never having to go out again and be around people who knew her reputation. Maybe she thought, hang on, if I get this water that never stops, then I won't have to come here and have the chance of facing people who know my reputation, who know my shame, who might gossip, gossip about me and point fingers, and that's the lady. You know, can you imagine? She must have longed for freedom from her reputation. She must have longed for freedom from her reputation. And maybe you have sins in your past that you're ashamed of. But Jesus changes us. And you know what happens? As people see these changes, they become curious You need to use these opportunities to introduce them to Jesus. For a moment, think about somebody who's like you haven't seen them for a long time, and then you see them one day, and they're 20 kilos lighter. What's the first question you ask them? What diet did you go on? You know, or suddenly somebody looks younger. You're like, what have you been doing? You know, when you see a change in somebody, you want to know what they've done. You know, if they're driving a nicer car, what happened? You know, um, did you get an increase at work? Or you always want to know what has happened. So when Jesus has worked in you, when when, when, when you have um, the hope of eternal life because you have Jesus inside of you, People that have known you for a long time will see that something has changed, and they will be curious. They will want to know what has caused that change, and that is, that they then are going to desire the freedom that you're experiencing, the freedom that you have, they're going to desire that for their own issues that they're going through, whatever difficulty they're going through, they're going to desire that same freedom. And people who we share our faith with, okay, um... Once they see that they're, to, uh, that they're going to desire that living water, because we know that our human nature is always looking for something to to, to to be fulfilled. We're always looking for worldly things to satisfy us. And let's be honest: we know that even if you're a Christian for twenty years and you know that God is the one that fulfills you, you know He's the only one that can satisfy you. We still sometimes turn to our human nature. And then what do we do? We say, Oh, I should have known better. Why do I think that this is going to satisfy me when I know that only God can satisfy me? Because we all look for something to fulfill our deepest need. Then we go on into verse 16. Jesus says to her, Go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, You're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. My fourth point this morning is that only Jesus knows the need beneath the need. Only Jesus knows the need beneath the need, and he was able to speak to her prophetically. He knew her life, he knew. Her circumstances, but he didn't shy away from it. He didn't judge her on her circumstances. He didn't ignore them. He wasn't put off by her shame at all. In the same way, the people that we care about, the people that we are trying to um, encourage and, and you know, maybe invite to church, the people that we are trying to love and to serve, he's not intimidated by their need beneath a need. He's not intimidated by their shame. He's not put out by anything that they've done because nothing surprises him. But what's so great is that Jesus can soften any heart. He can soften any heart. And you know what I've also realized is that I don't need to be able to relate personally to every person's need. Because that's impossible. Nobody goes through everything wrong in life that could possibly happen. But that's okay because Jesus can speak into their need. So all we have to do is to try and understand where they're coming from by listening to them, just listening. I think so often um, it's so easy well, when we're talking to somebody who has a need to want to give them an answer. But do this, do that. Well, have you, have you tried this? And, and we just don't listen. You know, that saying that goes, God gave us two ears and one mouth, use them in that, ra- in that ratio, <laughs> you know. And I think so often we don't. We need to listen, we need to try and understand, we need to encourage, we need to offer to pray for them, and then allow God to do the the internal work that only he can do. Going on, I'm skipping a few verses to verse 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone. So this is a woman who didn't want to come out in the day, the same time as other people. She left her jar and ran. So she must have picked up her dress and run back to the village. And this is what she said. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. I love that. So my fifth point this morning is, come and see, could he be? She said, come and see, could he possibly be the Messiah? The Samaritan woman immediately shared her experience. Despite her reputation and her shame, the people of the village accepted her invitation to come and see. I think that's amazing. It was like immediately they saw something switch on in her. They saw something. Maybe it was a light. Maybe it was a freedom. Maybe it was, I don't know what it was, but for them to all of a sudden be willing to accept her invitation and come and see, there must have been something different. She must have had that weight loss program. She must have had that thing that switched on where they, where they thought to themselves, I've got to go and see what she's talking about because there's something about her that's different. And so as I wrap up this morning, I just want to share with you my story about how I came to church and how important it is to see the opportunities around you with family, with friends, with colleagues. So I have a very dear friend. We've been friends since grade one. Her name is Chantal. And... um, We've we been friends, she, I was her flower girl, I mean bridesmaid flower girl, she was my bridesmaid, uh, she's the same age as me, don't panic, okay, and we grew up together, and, and so she's always been a friend, and we did all the naughty stuff together, you know, everything that we shouldn't have done, Chantal and I did it together, and, um, but the thing is, is that I think because we were such good friends, and because we were doing life together, she saw the opportunity, because she had come to Christ, she had become a Christian, and she saw an opportunity to not now stop being my friend, but to continue being my friend and to um, encourage me and speak into my life. She had found Jesus, so she wanted to share the hope that she had found with me. But let me tell you, I was anti. I was not interested. I just honestly believe that if I step a foot into church, Jesus is going to Whack me right there and then. No, 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 you can't come here. You're too bad. And so I was like, no, it's okay. You go. I'll, you know, we'll go out Friday night. You go to church Sunday. That's, that's about what we'll do. But you see, the thing is, Chantelle knew that I needed freedom from what I was going through. She knew, she could see it. We, we used to sit outside my house till two o'clock in the morning in her car talking about the mess that my life was in. But she never pressurized me. She never made me feel bad. She never, she, she just listened. And she spoke, but you see what she would then do is every now and again, she would invite me to church and I would say, no, it's okay, thank you. And my sister was actually going to the youth at that church, View Church Table View, and I was like, no, it's okay. You, you go. But then she was, she was still my friend, she, she just kept trying. And one day when I couldn't take it on my own anymore, I went, I went to church because all she did over and over again in her own way was to say to me, come and see. Could he be? Come and see, Susan. Come and see. And eventually I took it. And you know, it's always great to come to a church that's friendly, but it's even better to go to church with a friend. So if you have friends who you know need Jesus, and you want to have a heart for the harvest you start by praying for those friends and family you start by caring about them you start by investing in them you start by being there for them encouraging them and just and all you have to do is say come and see could he be come and see and 20 years ago just over 20 years ago my life changed because a friend just took the time to So speaking to my life, no pressure, come and see. And my life has never been the same again. Have I had challenges and difficulties? Yes. But I would not be married to that man today if I didn't come and see. I wouldn't have the children that I have if if somebody didn't say, come and see. I wouldn't have the relationships and the friendships I have today if somebody didn't say to me, come and see. So what does God want you to do he definitely doesn't want to tell you. He definitely doesn't want you to tell people that they're going to turn or burn. You can let that one go, okay? I want you to think about the person who was responsible for bringing you to Christ. What were they like? Were they kind? Were they gentle in their way? Did they have the right to speak into your life? Had they earned that right? Um, you know, how did they make you feel? I want you to think about that person, how it made you feel. That's how God wants you to be for the people in your life. The Institute for American Church Growth asked, asked over 10,000 churchgoers this question. What was responsible for you coming to Christ and church? 21% said they either had a special need or they just decided to come on their own. 21%. So there was a few reasons. said a friend or relative invited me. 79% of Christians in church are in church because they were invited by someone. We are not meant to do God's work. All we need to do is invite people to come and see. And so when we are talking to people about our faith, maybe talking about their need, and then inviting them, remember, first of all, that you need to do all those things with the power and the help of the Holy Spirit. Not in your own strength. You're not God. I'm not God. But we, use, um, we, we ask the Holy Spirit to help us because we don't have the power to change someone. We don't have that power. But an invitation to someone to encounter Jesus has the power to change their lives forever. My friend's invitation to me changed my life forever and you could be that for somebody else. Let's pray.